Let's pray and then we'll be in John's Gospel this morning, chapter 21. Lord Jesus, we want to be your people. And we hear the stories and we read the stories of people in every day and in every age who start seeking you and following you and and the challenges that they come across. But Lord Jesus, we ask that you would meet with us, that as we read about you this morning, Holy Spirit, would you reveal Christ to us? Would you be at work in our hearts? As Paul writes that you are the one who reveals Christ. You are the first fruit. You are the down payment. You are the one who convicts of sin and righteousness. Would you be at work in our hearts? We don't want to misrepresent the love of Jesus or the holiness of Jesus. Lord God, would you help us this morning as we come to read this, where we feel conviction, where we feel things in our heart that we need to deal with, Would you help us to do business with you? Would you help us to meet with you? In your name, we commit ourselves. Amen. Please open your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in your pew. If you're a regular and you don't have your Bible, you should have known better, really. Um, All right, and this morning we are in John 21 and we are picking up where we left off. And it's been a few weeks since we left off. We had a month of mission speakers. Who was the first mission speaker that we had come? Corey, yes, well done. And Corey was from which mission organization? SIM, well played. Who was the second missionary speaker that we had? Oh, come on. Michael Walker, good. And Michael spoke about high school, chaplaincy. What do you bring? What has God put in in your life? Who was the third missionary speaker that we had? Bruce Claridge. And Bruce Claridge was here from sports chaplaincy. And and do we do we have any people who are who are in a sports chaplaincy training program in the room? Oh, oh, Tim. Awesome. And Pat. Ah, I see that hand. I want to say that all the time and it hardly ever happens. Um, all right, and who was, who was the fourth missionary speaker that we had come? That's right, and they were from Global Interaction. They're going to be heading out to Cambodia. Very good. Okay. So now we find ourselves in this mission field. I, I, haven't, I took the little thingy off here this morning and put it back on the, server, the old servery window in the function room. But we ourselves are sent to this mission field. And there is something that I want to be in your thinking as we read through this passage of Scripture. And it is this question, what does Jesus want from Peter? Because that's the part we're up to. Jesus is about to have a conversation with Peter. They've just had breakfast on the beach. Jesus has met them. He said, throw your nets over the other side of the boat. And they did. And they had a huge haul of fish. All this, even though Jesus told them not to leave the city, but to wait until the Holy Spirit came. And Jesus meets them. And Jesus eats with them. 
And then Jesus has this conversation with Peter. Let's read it together. And let this question be in your mind. What does Jesus want from Peter? John chapter 21. Let's read from verse 10. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Jesus is already cooking fish. But he says, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, oddly specific. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. I look forward to the day that I hear the voice of Jesus saying, Bob, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, just like we shared before, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, or Jonah, depending on your translation. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Turn back with me to John chapter 13. And let us read verse 34 down to verse 38. Because these things are important because this is what Jesus is referring back to. John chapter 13, I start at verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Remember, this is the Last Supper. Judas has left the room. Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Come over to chapter 18. John chapter 18. Verse 17. Jesus is on trial. And out in the courtyard, verse 17. 
The servant girl on duty. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. And then down in verse 25. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants A relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Turn back over with me to Luke's gospel. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Verse 54, Luke twenty-two fifty-four. Then seizing him, that is Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Turn with me back to Matthew's gospel. Chapter 26. We're just going to pick up a little bit more detail from Matthew and then we're going to talk about what we find in John. Matthew 26, verse 31. Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written... I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Bold statement. Verse 34, truly I tell you, Jesus answered this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Turn back to John's gospel with me. Let's start with some obvious things that we see in this. How many times does Jesus ask Peter, do you love me? Three times. Awesome. How many times does Peter deny Christ? Three times. Do you notice a pattern emerging? Yeah. In the text, 
we find out that just before this declaration that Peter makes, you know, Lord, even if everyone else falls away, I will never fall away. I think it's actually back in Luke's gospel. We find out that they had been having a dispute as to which of the disciples was the greatest. And this is the statement that Peter makes. Even if everyone else falls away, I will never fall away. Even if everyone else abandons you, I will never abandon you, even if I have to die. And Jesus knows what's about to happen. Jesus says to him, Satan has asked to sift you. But I have prayed that after you are restored, you will strengthen the others. The first time that he denies the Lord. Where are we? Where's the courtyard? There's a servant girl sitting on the steps in this artwork. We find it's a servant girl. And he says, no, I don't know the man. And then the second time, someone else asks, you know, you you were with him, weren't you? And he says, I do not know who he is. And then I think... um, I think it's actually Mark's gospel that says that the third time Peter denied him with a curse. I don't effing know him. He curses the name of Jesus in order to save his own skin. And here, as they are sitting, having a conversation, we find out at some point they get up and they start walking. That's where the text continues, is as they're walking. But somewhere in this conversation... There's a piece of this that needs to make sense, is that in order for Peter to actually get on with his life, Jesus needs him to revisit and actually own his behavior. Again, our question, what does Jesus want from Peter? I believe Jesus actually wants Peter to be able to get on with it. That Jesus is not looking so much out the rear window as looking out the front window. Even before Peter denied Jesus, Jesus knew it was going to happen. And now when they meet together, the aim of this conversation is not to punish Peter. It's not to destroy him. It's not to wreck him. It's not to cripple him. It's to actually free him from what happened in order for him to move forward. Jesus is now free to forgive Peter. Think about this. The very person of God in human flesh the eternal, uncreated Son of God turns up and Peter journeys with him for three years and then denies him with a curse. And here they, they actually have this conversation and the way it plays out. Jesus is not trying to destroy him. If, if there is a parallel between this and your own life, if there are mistakes that you have been kicking yourself about, if there are things where you go, you know what, I have deliberately ignored walking and talking with God. He has asked me to surrender this part of my life and I haven't. I've tried to save my own skin or I've tried to save my own reputation or I've tried to save my bank balance or I've tried to save uh, a relationship that shouldn't be there. I've tried to, tried to do anything so that I maintain control. And meeting face-to-face with Jesus does not mean that Jesus is now about to crush you for your messed-up behavior. He is not about to crush me for my messed-up behavior. He's not about to crush Peter for his messed-up behavior. What does Jesus want from Peter? Because that's what Jesus wants from you.
That's what Jesus wants from me, from us individually and as a church, as a family, as the body. Jesus wants us to deal with things in order to move forward. What is the instruction that he gives to Peter out of this? Feed my lambs. It literally means take them out to pasture. Look after them. Feed them. Take care of them. Have you you made a mess of your life? Have you got things that you really, really regret? When you're trying to fall asleep, do you occasionally cringe because all of your mistakes come to mind? What does Jesus want from you? Jesus wants to deal with that in order for you to go on and be a blessing to his body. He wants you to function at capacity. Peter needed to be restored. The language, and again, we, we can't look at this passage of Scripture without talking about the language that Jesus chooses to use. When Jesus says, do you love me? The first two times, again, we have translation difficulty. The first two times that he says, do you love me? The word he uses is agapeo or agape love for those of you who've Heard that terminology before. It is the love that is an act of the will. The third time he asks the question, he uses a different word. The word he uses is phileo. It's like the friendship kind of love. So it's almost like Jesus is saying to Peter in this, he says, you know what? Do you love me more than these? And Peter is confronted with his words saying, oh, everyone else will fall away, but I'll stand firm. Jesus is like, oh, okay, cool. Do you love me more than these? Let's ask that question again. Let's revisit that moment when your pride got in the way. And then the second time he says, do you love me? Same word, agape. Is this an act of your will? Is this something you do willingly? Have you made this decision? And then the third time is this softer word, Peter, do you actually like me? Do you like me? And of course, Peter feels bruised because of this, because the third time he denied Jesus, he denied him and he cursed him. Do not be surprised if when you actually start to go, you know what, I want to lay hold of God. I am hungry for the Lord. I want to pursue him. If if the Lord journeys you the same way he's done with Peter here, so that you have to own your behavior. This is something that I think Aussie culture has a really difficult time of. This is part of our conversation as it's going to play out tonight. It's easy for for someone to go, God loves you. God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, and you don't have to change anything about your life. The problem is that's not the gospel. The gospel is God loves you, give your life to him, and he will transform you. On the other hand, it's really easy for us to go, you know what, get transformed, be transformed, live a transformed life and neglect to tell people about the love of God. As Christians, sometimes we can, we can talk about God's love and neglect to talk about his holiness. Sometimes we can talk about the holiness of God and his perfection and his righteousness. But if we talk about that and we neglect to talk about his love, then what we're giving people is a set of hoops they need to jump through, a set of conditions that they have to meet before God will start to love them. Can you see there's a ditch on either side of the road here? If we talk about the love of God and fail to talk about his holiness, we end up preaching a gospel that has no power to transform someone's life. 
And if we preach about the transforming power of God's holiness and that God wants us to live holy lives but we never talk about his love, then people end up hearing that God is judgmental, that God is not accepting, that God is not loving. So somehow we have to present both of these things and we see it here in the text. Jesus meets with Peter and he loves Peter. And Peter has to own his behavior and his decisions and be prepared to acknowledge that he has screwed up. Don't be surprised if your journey toward the Lord Jesus Christ looks like this, that he causes us to revisit our behavior and to say, all right, we're going to move on from this, but I need you to see this and I need you to accept that this requires transformation. If we want to walk and talk with Jesus, we have to continually find ourselves hungry for his love. And at the same time, we have to be prepared to wave a little white flag and go, okay, I need to apologize for that, Lord. Lord, heal me from this. Release me from this. I don't want to be that way anymore. I don't want to make that mistake again. What does Jesus want from Peter? He wants Peter to get on with it. He wants Peter to be restored. This conversation is not that he wants to end Peter's life as he knows it. It's not that he wants Peter to to live as a shipwrecked shell of a human being. Sometimes we can feel that way when we've made a mistake. We can end up up with our prayer life basically becoming non-existent because we don't really want to talk to God because we feel terrible already that we've... We've made mistakes and we've gotten things wrong. And we can end up with this false idea, if I go to God and talk to God, he will smite me. People say this all the time. Oh, I I can't come to the church on a Sunday uh, because the building will fall down. No, it won't. It will fall down if it's not built properly or if there's an earthquake. We can end up feeling this thing of going, I don't want to draw near to God because he is going to take everything off me. He is going to, he's going to destroy me. No, he's not going to destroy you. He's going to cause you to become the person he created you to become. What does this passage tell us about Jesus? What do we see of the person, the character the identity of the Most High God at play here. What do we see about Jesus? Because that's the person that we're seeking. Is he loving? Is he any less holy because he forgives? What's he interested in? What's valuable to him? This is the person that you are invited to meet with. This is the person you are invited to walk and talk with. This is the person who this morning, if you need to bring your mistakes and your decisions, if you need to bring parts of your life that you have not surrendered to God, if you need to bring them to God this morning, this is the person. This is who Jesus is. This is who God is. This is who we pursue. I end up in conversations 
from time to time with people that say, I just don't know what God wants me to do. He says to Peter, feed my sheep. Be a shepherd. Care for them. Help them. Support them. In order for Peter to do that, there's some stuff he's got to let go of. If the Lord has his finger on your heart this morning and you need to do business with him, do it. Get free. Get healed. Get restored. Jesus was already waiting on the beach. Jesus already had a fire going. How will you respond to the invitation of Jesus this morning? It's up to you. Peter could have stayed in the boat, said, I'm not going near him. I've made too many mistakes. Let's pray. Lord God, we... We asked before that you would meet with us and that you would help us be your people. We prayed before and we said that we recognize the scriptures teach your spirit comes in and reveals you. Lord Jesus, I ask that it would be true that, that those of us that need to be healed and convicted, for those of us that need to actually exercise some humility, to maybe wave a little white flag and surrender some areas of our life, would you be at work in our hearts? Would we recognize that it is actually your finger tapping on the door of our heart? That it is you yourself that want to come in and meet with us and eat and drink and have fellowship with us. You desire to walk and talk with us to no longer look back on what was, but to look forward. Lord God, help us to have the boldness to meet with you. Help us to have the courage to meet with you. For those of you who are here this morning that maybe want to sit and talk through things with someone, um, I'm going to hang out here at the end of the service, down the front, if you want to come and sit and chat. And I know there's that scary thing of, it's great. People will see me sitting at the front of a church and think I've got issues. Ignore them in Jesus' name. If you need to do business with God, let God outrank the opinions of other people. Okay. If you need to sit and to talk with someone, and this is not a space which works for you, find someone this week. Find your small group leader. Find a ministry leader. Find an, find an, an elder. Find a friend. Find someone. 